0: Canada sinking board we don't have adequate housing, transportation, or medical infrastructure. Good luck finding a doctor. And unless you lose a limb in front of at least a dozen people, there's no ambulance coming. Really? Crime and disruptive protests are on the rise. Just stop oil. The budget will balance itself. they are bankrupt, running $30 billion a year in deficit. Stupid bond investors and our central bank don't recognize our government is being run by a bunch of out-of-control, drunken gambling addicts. Damn, that stains Our immigrants don't assimilate and see themselves as better than us, even though they come from oppressive and ruined places. <laughs> will Canada find a way out of this mess? What we need now are less experts and less government. The year's 2014 and 25 are crucial. Canada, of sucks right now. This is The Sinking Boat Podcast. Welcome to The Sinking Boat Podcast. This is Harjeet Kandola broadcasting live from our international studios here in Surrey, BC. Happy New Year, everyone. Whether you'll stay happy after hearing this, I don't know, but rest assured that our federal government is doing everything in its power to make you poorer for the new year. When it's not recklessly spending and giving away our wealth, they're taxing the shit out of us. This is the Tax Me, I'm Canadian edition. This year, we are welcomed by rises in the Canadian pension plan, employment insurance, carbon taxes, and a brand new digital services tax. The Taxpayer Federation has brought to our attention that for earnings of $68,500 or more, employees and employers will each pay over $3,800 in CPP with a $113 increase from last year. There's also a newly introduced CPP2 tax, which will add $188 more on top of that. I like how they name it CPP2, like some kind of sequel to a movie that no one wanted, like Rush Hour 3 or Men in Black 3 or the part 2 to the Harold and Kumar go to the White Castle movie. All those movies were years after the fact. They lost all momentum and we all would have been better off without them. Employment insurance is going up by a little less than $100 each for employees and employers. However, since 2018, EI tax has increased by about $191 for employees and $267 for employers. Employees will pay almost $1,050 and employers will pay almost $1,500 for employment insurance. So combined total federal payroll taxes will amount to about $5,100 for workers and about $5,500 for employers for earnings of about $73,000 or above. This doesn't even include provincial payroll taxes, which for BC is at over 5% for someone making up to $43,000 and over 7% for someone making between $43,000 and $86,000. So take someone making $70,000, they're paying federal and provincial payroll taxes of $10,000 $59,490 combined, so they're only taking home about $59,510. Someone making $100,000 a year would then only be taking home $70,000. I think what warrants special attention is the tax burden on our employers. As pointed out earlier, they also pay their own separate payroll tax for each employee they have and hire, which is actually more than the one charged to the employee. So when an employer hires someone, that employee not only has to earn the wage they are paid, they also have to earn the amount of the payroll taxes the employer has to pay for them, plus a profit on top of that for the company. And if the employee can't do that, then it's not worth hiring them at that wage. So rising payroll taxes and rising minimum wages only make it harder for employers to hire people just because it gets too damn expensive and mathematically it's not worth the cost. Explain that to a socialist. And let's not forget the new burden of our time, carbon taxes. And yep, they're going up too, by a lot. We don't got any tram lines or subways in most of our cities like they do in Europe, but we got the taxes, that's for sure. The federal carbon tax is going up from $65 to $80 per ton in April, which will increase the carbon tax rate per litre of gas you put in your car. For perspective, it'll cost the average family that fills up a minivan about $12 more each time, on top of the carbon tax they're already paying. So say each month, about $40 extra, adding up to 40 a year instantly gone. Not only that, but that carbon tax is going to increase the price of everything at the grocery store and all stores that rely on trucks. So add that shit up. Have fun. So the Parliamentary Budget Office says that the average household will pay about $400 to $900 in carbon taxes. And there's also a secondary carbon tax that the government put on oil producers, which will increase the cost of gas by about $0.17 cents a litre. And according to the same office, cost the average household about $400 to $1,200 more a year. So that's two carbon taxes we're being abused with. So our ever-increasing taxes only leave us poorer with less options to exercise personal freedom while not improving anything nearly as much as what the taxes warrant. Look at our health service. Here's a report from Global.
1: He's feeling much better today, but over the Christmas break, William Sanderson was so sick he had to visit an emergency department. It was eight hours in the waiting room and then pretty much four hours uh, uh, in the uh, the hospital room itself. Sanderson says the Edmonton area hospital was packed with patients. Across the country in New Brunswick, a similar scene.
0: The waiting room was packed. Um, there was people everywhere, all the way down the hall.
1: A shortage of health care workers and a surge in respiratory virus cases are once again bringing the front lines of Canada's health system to its knees. Every person who waits In one way or another is suffering. I've seen wait times lead directly to people dying, including children. I have seen wait times leading to people lying with fractures for days on end. Most cities post ED wait times online. On Wednesday morning, major hospitals in Vancouver and Toronto were listing wait times of over eight and nearly seven hours. Calgary and Edmonton's largest hospitals listed between four and six hours. In Quebec, where emergency departments are tracked by capacity, 17 of the 20 emergency departments in the Montreal area were more than 100% full, three of those over 200%. Four years after the start of the pandemic, healthcare workers are still walking away faster than they can be replaced, leaving hospitals understaffed and vulnerable to a surge in patients seen every year because of the flu. That's why it's so urgent and why we're calling on all of the governments across the country to work really hard to increase class sizes, to promote team-based care so that we can share a lot of the work. In the short term, doctors say patients can help too by getting vaccinated and using emergency departments only when required. Hospitals are expected to remain very busy for several months to come. Heather Urex West Global News, Calgary.
0: So you heard a doctor in the report say that he witnessed people dying simply from waiting, not because what they had was so lethal or not curable. So the problem is our system is wholly inadequate for the population. It's simply not built for the population that we have. That is the heart of the issue here. Even here in uh, my town of Surrey, the main hospital is actually renting out a nearby motel to put patients in. (laughs) That's how dire the situation is they already have uh, portables like they have at the high schools (laughs) that they've been making use of because they they simply don't have capacity, but now they're renting out a nearby motel for patients. So yeah, what can I say? Thanks to the garbage uh, leadership, we're just taking it from all sides. Canada just sucks. Don't come here. If you enjoyed this podcast, give me a like and a follow, and I'll see you soon.